Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. So it costs $344,000 to send two students to school. I don't know if you have that kind of money lying around, but I'll bet you the banks and the government are counting on that fact. And we are facing the biggest crisis in the history of man, and it could lead to a world we've never seen before. I want to help show you this issue and help offer some solutions. So today, we'll explore this and more on the Crime of the Century. So the first way to attack this problem is to ask the question of whether or not college is worth it. Now, we live in a society in which the basic structure is you go to school, public school, boarding school, whatever. You go to some sort of primary education uh, or educational facility where you learn basic skills such as uh, history, English, you know, how to construct a sentence, how to, you know, write grammar, how to do arithmetic, um, and then everything, uh, uh, you know, kind of loses structure in high school where you start learning about, um, you know, uh, mathematics that involve parabolas and the alphabet and things that don't really apply unless you're going to be some sort of engineer or someone who needs to know how to manipulate the world through mathematics, which is the beauty of mathematics, but it's not something that applies to everybody. Um, and th that's all well and good, and it's a shift from when public school was originally instituted in, in the South after the Civil War and in the North shortly before the Civil War, where the basic idea was, um, let's get everybody literate and able to read, because literacy used to be only for the upper class, especially in Europe, but as things began to modernize as the Industrial Revolution took off, literacy for the general masses not only became more available, as many people um, started to read books like the Bible at home and have the ability to do that, um, society just became more, more complex and you needed that ability to read and think critically that way. All right, fine. So the institution of a public school was to make sure your kids were literate, but you would have You'd work, essentially, the kids would go to school till about noon, and then you would go and you'd work in a field or you'd go and help the, the parents at home. Uh, many still needed that, that additional labor. And as time went on, as we get through the World Wars, as we go, you know, up to what we consider modern times, I'm talking 1950s and later, by then, you went all the way up through high school because we'd gotten industrialized to the point where if you, if you lived in the city, usually at that point still just, just your, your, your father going to work or your, in rare cases, mother going to work, that single income was enough to provide for the family. And so you did need the, the, the student to leave school. So the idea was, uh, of the public school became, let's not only obviously make them literate early on, but let's teach them history while they're here. Let's show them okay, here's why the world is set up the way it is. And then later on in high school, it became much more about, because earlier on, high school dropout, right? I mean, people didn't necessarily even go to high school in the early 
turn of the century, around 1900. Um, but high school is where you would learn. It was for the more uh, educated classes, the, the wealthier classes in general. So that structure didn't change, where you would learn some more advanced mathematics, some more advanced uh, philosophical teachings, as also your brain is developed more. You're just able to comprehend it a lot better. Um, and so in high school, that structure of, uh, of, of high school didn't necessarily change. Um, and the idea was that we were going to better ourselves. We were going to be able to not have to work on the factory floor and, and propel ourselves through general education. Okay, fine. But over time, what happened is then society said, okay, now we need college for everybody. Everybody needs to take what they learn in high school as the basis for a college degree. And college had been, if you were wealthy or your parents uh, were wealthy or if you played a sport in some cases or if you were chosen, if, if you had some sort of in, in, obvious intellectual ability, you would go to college and you would get a degree and that would really set you up well. People say, wow, college degree, you know. Um, this person, you know, would be able to start at a much higher level than other people would start out in life. So the idea in the 60s and 70s became, well, if we just give everybody college degrees, as many as people as we can, we'll be able to start them off better in life, regardless of their circumstance, wherever they were coming from. And this, on the surface, sounds fine. I mean, uh, there's not a problem. I don't have a problem with helping people learn. I, I, I love helping people see a structure or something in the world that they did not see before. That, that, that is great. That's fantastic. I don't have a problem with that. But the problem that we ran into was, okay, we're going to not make it mandatory, obviously, but in society, it's looked a, a lot better on someone if they have a college degree. Did they finish school? Did they, you know, go from there to that, that nicer office job that really doesn't require anything I guess depending on the job, but most office jobs where it's oper on the operational side of a business doesn't really require anything higher than a high school degree, but they want your college educated. The problem was people from the middle class and below didn't necessarily have the funds put away for a college degree. So some students would work their way through school. There was a guy who worked for uh, early in my career, actually uh, I was on his political campaign and he worked his way through Dartmouth in the, in the 1980s. Uh, and that's in New Hampshire, and it's close to an Ivy League school. It's a very well-respected school. Um, it is a, a higher prestige. Now, he wanted to go there and had the ability to go there in terms of intellect. He just didn't have the monetary ability. So he went and um, he worked his way through. Okay, that's great. The problem is the government then instituted um, what sounds great on paper. We're going to allow banks to loan students who don't have a whole lot of credit, if any. We're going to allow them to take a loan up front to pay for college and then like any other loan, pay it back uh, once they're out of school. And the government decided to step in so there could, would be uh, lower costs, lower interest rate. Um, and basically this meant that the university could charge whatever they want, 
because they knew that the bank, if, if there's no credit restrictions, the bank is just going to lend them the money they need for college, um, there is no reason why they couldn't just say, all right, well, it's 140 grand for you to go to school. It's 100 grand for you to go to school. They, they know they're going to get the money. The university doesn't care. They get it up front in terms of a loan, and then the student gets stuck with the bill. So, which I'm not saying that it shouldn't. That's not how it should work because that's how a loan works. The problem is if you go bankrupt, it's the, one of the only loans that you can't get rid of. So even if you go bankrupt, you have no money to pay it. Too bad. It, they are uh, some of them have notoriously high uh, interest rates, and now there's even an ad running where you can restructure your or refinance your student loans with help from your um, friendly neighborhood government agency, so to where you're paying it off for a longer period of time. Now all of that money that you are spending, you are never getting back. Every dollar, and this is a financial principle, every dollar that you have, you either save or spend interest on. You either keep the dollar and you keep that compound interest growing, or you spend the dollar and forever lose that interest. You will never be able to gain that dollar and its interest back in your entire life, no matter what you do. So all of the, these younger students, all of their capital and ability to make money early in life goes to giving the money back to these institutions, which, and I, I understand it's for, it's for uh, college, and I understand the whole point where they don't have any credit first, so it, it is an odd loan, but at the same time, they'll never get that money back. Once it's gone, it's gone. That affects their ability to pay for a house, that affects their, to put money down to pay for a house, that affects their ability to, well, feel self-confident. We see a rise in the amount of students that actually have to go back, back to living with their parents. Not because they're lazy and not working, but where's all their money? <laughs> and it's going to these institutions. At the same time, you look at what we're teaching our students, and it's all a political ideology rooted in neo-Marxism or Marxism, which is the basis for communism, I'm not going to say fascism, but national socialism, which is our close to fascism. It's what technically the German, uh, what Hitler was, a national socialist, socialism itself. Any of these radical, state-run, bloated bureaucracy-type governments of the far left, that's what they're being taught, that, hey, capitalism hasn't worked, even though we got here through capitalism. So we need to set a 70% tax, and that won't be enough because even if you liquidated the wealthiest people, all of their assets, you wouldn't be able to pay for one year of Bernie Sanders' health care plan. I'm sorry, uh, Cortez, who's even too radical for Sanders, who essentially created her. This is the problem because, all right, we're running into situations where because of government intervention into a free market system, the... All, all of the, the, the rules are broken apart, you know, of, of the loan, where these students should not be able to even get a loan that size, but they do because the government backs the bank, and the bank pays the university, which can charge whatever it wants. The university teaches them a radical left ideology. They come out, they got no money, no hope, no prospects, and they've heard all their whole life how capitalism sucks. Well, now they're going to say, here's the proof. Even though the, the, the proof is, hey, big government doesn't work. 
because big government was the genesis of this issue. And the crux of the matter is that when all of this falls apart, we got parents living at home, or parents living at home, students living at home with their parents. We've got students and young people who are paying off loans until they're 40 or 50, and then maybe they can start saving for the day when they can finally retire and not have to work. We've got a disconnection from our work because we don't understand who we are because we've been told that religion's bad our whole life, so we don't even know who we are or what we believe or why we believe it. You start to see this, this growing crisis. And then you look at what happens when this $22 trillion of debt blows up because it's going to at some point. You look at the demographics, Social Security is going to be broke in a matter of years. 2022, they've said Social Security is out of money. It's insolvent because it's a welfare program. There's no lockbox somewhere. Paul Ryan doesn't have a shelf that says Social Security written, written in a label maker. No, no, no. That, that was a tax. They, that, money, that money was spent a long time ago. And now you've got a great big older population and a downsized younger population that has to feed them. And speaking of feeding grandma and grandpa, Medicare and Medicaid, insolvent by 2025. Are we going to fund it with higher tax rates? We're going to fund it more with higher tax rates. So it can be insolvent, but just down the road, it'll be out of money. Are we going to blow it up? Are we going to pull the, 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 the rug out from our senior citizens? What are we going to do? And the younger students are left with nothing but ideology in the sense that it blows up. They have no money. Now their parents don't have any money. And of course the politicians do. They don't have the same problems we do and they get paid about 200 grand a year without the same retirement plans that restrict where you can put your money, without the same uh, 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 healthcare costs. They don't, they don't have Obamacare, that's for you peasants. And so they are okay. You are not. And when you're left with nothing but ideology, you act out on that ideology. And that's where you come for your rights. That's where they come for your rights. Because they've, we've abandoned religion. We've abandoned which gave us our rights. We've abandoned the ideas that got us here. When, when the New Age ideas of the 70s fall apart and aren't blamed for falling apart, they're going to blame the old hierarchy and institute it with something else. And we've already got freedom, so what's the antithesis of that, right? Now, I know that all seems gloom and doom, and it, it isn't a good situation. It can be fixed, but like Voltaire said, we must tend to our garden first. And, of course, the easiest way is because when, when this blows up, there's a good chance that the, the worthless paper currency in our wallets will be, well, worthless. So, you can buy gold and silver, and that's relatively easy to do. I don't even think you need a license to find someone to sell gold and silver. And that has pretty much no rate of return, uh, does the opposite of the market. But you know what? When everything blows up, it's a real tangible object. You aren't going to lose that value. Remember, money is just a re representation of value. You could invest in guns and ammunition <laughs> and, and, and cigarettes because those are like the three things that only, only anyone cares about. Um, and people would need money and they would, or I'm sorry, people would trade their value for uh, guns and ammo and probably cigarettes. 
And of course, the other option to do is if you're not into the doomsday prepping or buying gold and silver for whatever reason, which is a great hedge. It shouldn't be your whole port portfolio, but it's a great hedge against stuff like this. You could always call up your, your local neighborhood congressman and ask to lobby for lower taxes, you know, because if we can blow up, not blow up, but if we can put a stick in the bloated welfare state, just start cutting programs, re releasing tax dollars to be spent on things that the government should be involved in and pushing them out of things they shouldn't be involved in, student loans, all this stuff, and create a society that's based more on merit than on uh, I have a sheepskin that doesn't really mean anything. I don't. I can't even tell you which bathroom to use anymore. But by golly, it's, it cost me a hundred grand that I didn't have in the first place. When we we can do that with grassroots political movement, but boy, that's hard. We got to find a lot of people who believe what we believe, and then we got to push back against the people who don't believe what we believe. So the last thing to do is also shift our mindset. We need to understand, get a better grip of what it means to be an American citizen. Also, and, and the colleges talk about privilege, and they talk about it like it's a bad thing. Our forefathers created this country the way it is, and for good reason, because they came from a system, not that the English were terribly tyrannical, it wasn't the French, it wasn't the, the Germans, or certainly not the Russians. They created a new kind of country. We are still living the American experiment. Can a government be beholden to its citizens? And we've forgotten that. So flip the Constitution back to, hey, this is a document that restricts what the government can do. And we as citizens have the ability to make those changes. And that's, and that's just kind of the first political mindset shift. But the next one has to be more about efficiency. Can we go and sell things of value and trade for currency instead of, I need to trade my time for money? which seems to be how we're taught, that we always need to trade time for money, not to trade value, products, whatever, for money. And truly that we are in control of what we earn, but we're also in control of what we think. Do we fill our heads with useless crap, you know, the Kardashians and football and all this stuff that doesn't really matter, or do we fill it with good taste? Do we fill it with an understanding and a balance of, yeah, okay, you can watch the Kardashians and watch football. I love uh, the football, and I've looked at, no, no, I'm kidding, I'm not going there with the Kardashians, but regardless, the idea when it comes to these are my life, that, that, that this is my life, that's not a, um, a healthy mindset. It, it should be, that, that, that's for you know an hour or two before bed, and everything else is, is business. How do I create value? How do I help someone else? How do I reach out to help my friends? And lastly, remember that we elect people with 2020 coming up. Remember that we elect our leaders when we vote for them. It's not a vote to lead. It's a vote to free. Free me from this government tyranny. That's what we need to ask our leaders. And lastly, know that we are in control. But Regardless, until we fix that, it's all part of the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my newest book, Smoke and Mirrors, A Financial Story. Let me tell you why I wrote this book. See, I believe that because of what we've been taught, that we're unknowingly and unnecessarily sending tens of thousands of dollars away to the government, 
financial institutions and Wall Street. So I actually wrote the book that goes over the mindset first of breaking free from this conditioning, but then also about exactly how and why these institutions have infiltrated our finances. So pick it up today, $9.99 on Amazon or from my site where you can get a free half hour webinar from me at kevinprendeville.com. <laughs>